We are Wrestling Elitists. I'm your co-host, Chris Scott Moore, flanked by two men who can always perform with discoloration on their chest. That's Alex Gimme Gimme Gibson and Sean Shifty Nash. What's up, guys? What's up, you fucking marks? Hey. Ooh, coming in Ooh. hot. Coming in hot. Stealing, stealing MJF's thunder. Well, all right. So if this is your first time listening to the show, thank you so much for checking us out. Please subscribe via iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're streaming the show today. Uh, give us a five-star review as well. And while you're reviewing us there, check us out at WrestlingElitist.com. We had an article that had a lengthy dissection of MJF's pipe bomb, which we're going to talk about later on today's show. Uh, also, you can follow us at Twitter at Wrestling Elitist Podcast or at Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast as well. Sean, break down the show today because it's going to be a little different format. Yeah, totally. If this is your first time listening to us, it's quite the show to break into. We're going to start off with our Lord and Savior, CM Punk, getting injured. And then we're going to kind of see where that takes us because there's just a ton of news, ton of happenings. And we're going to be sure to hit all our, our main match moments, cringeworthy items of the week. But uh, we got to start off with the hot news. Yeah. So, Alex, let's start us off with you here. CM Punk got, a, I believe, a foot injury or an ankle injury or one of his yeah, wheels came off, as he likes to say. Uh, let's start with that. Yeah, so Rampage uh, had had quite the big news when CM Punk announced that he is stepping away for some surgery and and getting uh, getting that foot taken care of. Which I don't know if you guys saw. There was some video that leaked after mm-hmm. MJF's promo that we'll talk about a little bit later, where Punk and Matt Jackson both kind of came out to the ring and were like, "Dude, what the hell was that?" And you could see Punk limping. Uh, at first, I thought that that was actually because he had jumped into the crowd. And mm-hmm. maybe he had you know, banged himself up on that railing. I doubt that that was the case now looking at it. But he is going to be out for, I don't know if they really gave us a direct amount no. of time. Um, my guess is the hope would be that he's back by all out. The fact that they're making this an interim title mm-hmm. rather than a you know, straight up he's giving up the title. So this interim title, first of all, it doesn't really change the course of AEW title history. And also it'll allow... Uh, him to potentially either show up at the end of all out, whoever is the champion there. And, you know, he can kind of have his moment that you look back when he came back and challenged uh, after Rey Mysterio and John Cena had their match when he originally ran out from money in the bank. So Mm. you could see it as something like that, or potentially maybe that's his return match. And that is the unification match. So I'm really interested to see where it goes. And then we've also got a battle Royal this week that the winner of that will face John Moxley for the right to face Tanahashi at Forbidden Door for that interim title. So a lot of uh, really, uh, really uh, interesting uh, things uh, coming. No, not Tanahashi. Is, not so Tana- easy. Not so yeah. easy. Oh. Not so fast. At Dominion this weekend, it's going to be Goto versus Tanahashi for the oh, right to so face. facing Tanahashi. Yeah. yeah. Not so fast there. <laughs> Goto and Yano are going to have a... a <laughs> Fuck, I was going to six, six, 60 minute Broadway. <laughs> no, I was going to say, uh, what the fuck were those things in the Brady Bunch where they like have a potato sack race? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> timely uh, reference, Chris. Let's leave yeah. that in. Keep <laughs> it in there. I want I want those timely reference in there. Uh, uh, it, it's a shame Brady but, Bunch doesn't trend on TikTok. Okay, moving back on. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so. Uh, would love to hear your guys' thoughts and, and everything from the announcement to this battle royal, kind of where you guys are seeing it going. Um, I too saw the clip of him kind of limping out, trying to chase MJF off, and it looked like he even just totally had the 
right boot, I think it was, off, just going barefootless. So, like, definitely something wrong there. They're getting checked out pretty quickly. Another video, I kind of thought that it might be, like you were saying, the the stage dive into the crowd. It looks like he kind of came down on it, on the, uh, the guardrail there. But uh, hopefully a speedy recovery because, boy, do we need him. And uh, I'm, I'm at least excited for the, the Goto. Goto's kind of been putting uh, on a good showing lately in New Japan, so I'm, I'm kind of excited for that to come. And then, of course, the Battle Royal. Is that is he going to have the, the face John Moxley that night? Like, yeah, that event? night. Mm-hmm. Okay. Event. Yeah, I always like that when they make it kind of same show. Yeah, Punk seemed noticeably off in the match that six and, and that trios match. Like he was missing some shit. He had a uh, almost like another fuck up with a buckshot lariat type thing of having to jump over uh, that power bomb on one of the ass boys looked goofy. So his timing was off, and he referenced it even in his promo of like I'm still learning and just kind of making a joke about it. Uh, it could have been when he jumped in the crowd. I mean, I think that was uh, back in the day. I remember thinking like, oh god, that's you're gonna get COVID. Like don't do that. And now it's this. <laughs> Um, his explanation though, was a little rough too. Like he was pretty emotional. You could tell it was getting to him. It wasn't very clear. Um, it's one of the few times where he seemed to be at not a loss for words, but just a little bit disorganized. And the thought wasn't so clearly laid out and it didn't help with Jericho screaming. Like he's resigning the title. He's giving the title up. And you're like, wait, what? Um, now me personally, I would have loved to see him relinquish the belt just because if you're not defending it, maybe that would have been, I don't know, a better route of just having the previous AEW champions wrestle. And maybe that would have determined who the number one contender was. Problem is, is then you have hangman in the title scene again, and they want to kind of probably pivot away from that. Um, and you also couldn't do the number one and number two contenders because number two is Wardlow and you can't have him wrestle Moxley yet. So it just seemed a little bit, I don't know, convoluted of like, okay, a battle royal, but then Moxley gets to be the guy that's number one contender, but then Tanahashi and Goto and whatever the fuck. Um, I don't know. Just seems like a little bit of a mess and there's a lot of explanation going on and you have to get fans to give a fuck about Tanahashi and Goto who may not even know who they are. So I don't know. Alex, your thoughts. I, I do think that they made it a little bit more convoluted than it needed to be in terms of how Mox is part automatically through to the kind of the next round of this and this person has to win in a battle Royal. Um, we'll talk about it in just a moment. I know that people are being you know hit by the injury bug right now, but yeah. it kind of, you also need to explain to me why Adam Cole, who just won the Owen Hart tournament, like that almost should be an automatic qualifier right. more than Mox sure. should. Um, and then, and then adding in the fact that they're going to be facing a new Japan person for the title at uh, forbidden door. But, I do think that this is when it becomes an interim title, it gives you an interesting chance to kind of do what new Japan did when they put the title on evil. And when it was kind of right, when uh, COVID hit Sean's making a face. Yes. I, I didn't love that. It went to evil, but it gives you a chance to maybe test it on somebody that you typically wouldn't have given the title to, because it's going to be a short reign potentially. And you could just kind of see what they could do with it. You could maybe give it to somebody who I don't have anybody off the top of my head, but maybe somebody who's not quite there. Or, you know, maybe give it to throw, throw like a real curveball out there. Give it to a Keith Lee or even a swerve, like somebody who could be a star, but isn't quite there yet Mm -hmm. and let it run because you already have an automatic out with the fact that CM Punk will be coming back and will be the normal title holder. And you'll have that unification match at some point. So why not take a chance there? And I know I don't want to jump ahead too much too, because we'll talk about MJF later on. But the whole thing was he said CM Punk mentioned Tony Khan 
said, don't give up the title. You're not relinquishing. I'm not accepting it. You're just going to, we're just going to have an interim champion. Maybe that's planting a seed for MJF and he's doing a reverse Total. summer of punk or an inverse summer of punk or whatever the hell. Um, and maybe the upside he down. It. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> you know, upside down punk. Um, <laughs> that could be a thing too, but like, yeah, like you mentioned, so we have, uh, Danielson injured. Um, he has a, f- what is it like some sort of foot, some sort of a foot or, injury as well. Yeah, so he's, he's out for one or two weeks. Which as, long in, as, as long as it's away from the head and neck for him. Yeah. I could, I could be okay. It's with as that. far away as it can be. So we're good. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of funny how it is too. They're like, well, as long as his head's not fucked up. Okay, great. Good yeah. for him. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he'll be gone for two weeks. And so that takes him out of this, but that's fine because Moxley is going to be the person that wins it and he needs to be saved for whoever he's going to wrestle at forbidden door. So that's okay. The Cole thing doesn't make sense though. Cause like, yeah, like you mentioned, I think he should be um, automatically uh, pictured into the title scene again, but he just had his opportunity. So they're in a yeah. weird situation where it just kind of, it just kind of sucks because you're serving so many masters. And that's also one of the problems with AEW is you're serving so many masters with the big roster and so many people need to be featured. And now you have to get over a whole outside promotion. So that's difficult. But you could be in a worse situation like WWE where you have Roman out, Brock out, uh, Cody is going to be out now. And so oh, f- Randy Orton's out. Cena isn't coming back. Who the fuck do you run with? That um, theory. I don't even. Um, gender riddle. Still got gender. Oh yeah, yeah. We don't want to hinder that. Good call. Don't riddle. hinder gender, baby. Riddle. Austin, you mentioned theory. Austin or theory, whatever his yeah. name is now. You mentioned uh, Cody there. That I, as much as I want to like mock Cody and say that he's, um, you know, he, he thinks oh <laughs> that he thinks a lot <laughs> higher of himself than he than anybody else does. Uh, what a gutty, gutsy performance to go still have that Hell in a Cell match yesterday. Um, you know, I only saw clips from it, but it looked like he there was a table spot at least. And uh, oh. there was some other stuff that I saw of him getting a kendo stick pushed into that pack, yeah. which just seems oh. brutal. Um, you know, his whole, you know, that whole side of his body was just completely bruised and it looked even worse after the match. So um, it's weird. It's a bad time to be a wrestler because it seems like uh, the injuries are coming quick and, and they're coming fast for, for everybody. And it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are because top guys, it's, you know, even looking at AEW, another person who we didn't talk about him getting injured recently, but um, uh, Darius Martin got injured again and he got injured yeah. in a car accident, you know, and he's going to be out another six to nine months, I think, or something like that. Yeah. Can't so it's, break. um, Rough time. Uh, DDP yoga needs to be a standard for everybody, I think, right now. Yeah. yeah. Put that on the insurance. Friend of the go show. Ahead. We did shake his hand in uh, Dallas. We did. Showed respect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Who would have thought that wrestling was a, a dangerous activity? Then you might get injured through it. Uh, and weightlifting, because that's what uh, apparently really did Cody in. That was an incredible sight to see. Just that whole black just looks like. Uh, Malachi Black's face on his chest. Brutal. Amazing I, that he could just do anything with it. I will say it It actually tells me a lot about where they have him going for the next feud in the next few months. The fact that he still went over Seth with that injury last night. I thought that they would pivot and have Seth win because who's going to blame Cody for losing with a torn sure. pack. Yeah. So I think, I think that that actually did, you know, I've, I've criticized in terms of like, Oh yeah, Cody, you got treated well for your first few. Let's see how they treat you in a few months. 
I think that that was actually a, a really positive sign if you're a fan of Cody and or if you're Cody uh, towards how you know the rest of your run is going to be at least for the rest of this year. Well, an absence makes the heart grow fonder, and that certainly was the case with him when he came back to WWE. I don't think he was missed in AEW and was kind of in everyone's face. And the WWE fan base fucking loves him. Like, he is so goddamn over. The reactions for him are incredible. They love him there. They like the Superman thing. It's geared towards a children audience or an audience of 60-year-olds, and somehow they sort of converse in a weird Venn diagram. But nevertheless, he's over with that crowd. And I think when he comes back at, let's say, the Rumble – that's going to be a special moment. And then you have him uh, dethrone Roman as opposed to hoping the rock will do it and try to hedge your bets on that, where there's nowhere to go with that storyline. It makes more sense. I guess uh, I would do that with Cody and let Cody have his moment. It's more of an organic feel good moment that will get people excited and you can actually build with him because he's going to be there the next day and the rock is gone again. But yeah, and you, right. you have kind of a built in long-term storytelling the kid who left for six, seven years or whatever it is and came back. Like you can, you can almost retcon that into being the full yeah. story that he's been telling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into talking more about storyline. Uh, let's go ahead in the MJF promo. That was one of the best promos in the history of wrestling. Certainly one of the best work shoot promos I've ever witnessed. Uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show at wrestling uh, posted an article called, MJF's pipe bomb disassembled, and it's a breakdown of uh, almost by not line by line, but kind of chunk by chunk uh, and adding some thoughts and commentary. I've talked a lot about it on the website. What do you guys have to say about the promo, Alex? It's the best promo I've ever seen as it was happening. So uh, in in the sense that I didn't I wasn't watching WWE when Punk did the pipe bomb originally, like somebody sent it to me. But and while it was very good, the first time I saw it, I wasn't connected to the product at the time. So it wasn't um, from, from a standout perspective. I, I don't want to, I want to put it from a different bucket from that, but in terms of while I've been watching invested in the storylines, invested in everything that was pound for pound, the best promo I've ever witnessed. MJF was passionate. Um, see, I mean, it felt like it was really him out there. You know, he starts it and you even, you know, talk about it, the old trope of this is Max Friedman. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it it's that's corny, but it actually didn't seem super corny when he did it right. In it's that a hook. Moment. It's just a hook. Yeah. It's a it, it's a it's, it's a trope and a uh, wrestling promo archetype to get you invested and it worked. Yep. Yeah. And, and you and if you remember um, when we were at that WWE show where Vince or Shane O'Mac showed up and then Vince dropped an F bomb on him. Mm. Oh, yeah. In the crowd, never forget. Never forget. In the crowd, that was wild to be there for that because you don't expect to hear that at, at a television taping for a wrestling yeah, show. Yeah, And so the impact that it had for the crowd in LA, as well as for me as the viewer, uh, I thought that it was just, it was perfect. I don't, I, I can't even critique any part of it. It was, wasn't too long. I loved the messaging of it. It, you know, I, I hate myself for last week saying that I was finally buying into the fact that it wasn't a work uh, on the podcast. And then clear, like literally three days later, they follow it up with, guess what, fucker? Gotcha so, again. <laughs> uh, so uh, I got my face, but absolutely. Um, MJF, he was already a favorite of mine. I think that he just moved into like that. Per- like, you know, you have those rotating lists of people who are like, oh, yeah, I really like this person and this person. MJF just, I think, moved into like for legitimately my top five 
performers yeah. of, of the time. And honestly, I really resonated with when he was talking about, you know, how he does make it, make the fans feel something and he doesn't need yeah. to drop people on their heads to do it. I do enjoy his style of wrestling because it's so much more rare than the other, you know, the flippy, which is the reason that I used to love the flippy guys and, and like the more dangerous guys was because they were a little bit more few and far between, but it's become the standard. So now the classic style is a lot more enjoyable for me. And ultimately the guy who can talk like that is really enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Yeah. He definitely makes you feel, he made me feel like it was a work or a shoot at least 20 different times throughout that promo. Um, I just, there's no way you can top that. I don't, there's no one on the stick can come out like that and just make you feel so many things in one moment. And then just the way he walks out, there's camera footage of him slapping a fan's phone out of his hands. Just <laughs> he, he is who he is and he's doing it so well. And to be able to blur this line of work and a shoot so incredibly well, makes me wonder just where he's really going to go. But he's I'm, 26 I'm years old. Doing nothing with my life. Yeah, exactly. Doing more I on a Wednesday when I was twenty six. He's twenty six, and I cringed listening to last week's episode at how many times I used the word "like," and it was just us three talking. I'm using fillers <laughs> when I'm all nervous, <laughs> and he's going out there and cutting that promo live in the forum in front of a live, yeah, a live LA audience in front of Time Warner executives. Incredible, but that was incredible too. Like, not to continuously plug the fucking article, but like I had to listen to it. And slow it down and, you know, pretty much transcribe it. And you can hear word for word, phrase for phrase, like how eloquent and how artfully composed it was. And he uses economy of words. It's not yes. a lot of talk. He's very, it's, it's, it's not long winded. It's not laborious talk about everything. He's very quip with what he says. Yeah. And that's always been, I've always thought, found it weird because a lot of the people that are regarded as great talkers in wrestling. I don't connect with because they're too general or they're too, they're too big in what they're saying. And I, what I'm, what I'm really talking about right now is like a Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt said so many words and never truly said anything in his promos. Yeah, totally. Totally. Does Max says very little in terms of the impact that he has and the words that he uses. Mm -hmm. And that's what, that's what more people could learn from is being impactful with your words rather than just saying a bunch of grandiose things and making it sound cool and singing. We got the whole world in our hands. Boy, do I miss him. Um, Sean, you (laughs) had a great point. You said, I don't know where this is going next. So where do you guys think this is going or how much of this do you think is a work or or a shoot or what? Where are your thoughts there? I, I, I don't know where it's going. I think the interim title makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But also how do you how do you do that with the promo that was just cut? And how do you do that, you know, where he's saying to fire me? I don't know, but I I trust that if Tony has an idea for that, that it'll hopefully work, but I think that that a summer of MJF trying to get fired but ha- you know, George Costanzaing it but with the interim <laughs> title. I would, I would love that. Um, and, and I'm, I do trust though. I, I, I have to believe that if Tony did some of the stuff that he did in terms of making this work, work in terms of him, no showing a meet and greet working the guys in the back, 
and all of that stuff, there mm-hmm. has to be a full plan here. I just truly don't know what it is. And it makes me realize that I am not capable of running a company the size of AEW <laughs> for wrestling. It, too, uh, on Reddit, I think I sent you guys in the, the group chat earlier, it muddies the water more when there's like a, a leak of a Warner media person just nixing any kind of advertisements of MJF. So who knows? Do you really want to just do that for a week and have him come back for an interim title shot? Or do you wait all the way to Forbidden Door to kind of bring him back? I just don't know. I don't know how long you, you wait this out because it's just been so massive. I think they have been very artful too on how they've worked the dirt sheets as well. Yes. I, I, yes. I don't think uh, everything that they've reported is fact. And I think it's been very, it's like breadcrumbs that they're giving them or they're purposely giving them misdirection. And because AEW is so protective of what they do share and what they talk about, you want access and they weren't given access to what the cards were going to be. Meltzer used to be able to say what WrestleMania was seven months in advance. He can't tell you shit about what AEW is doing and he doesn't know. So it's very interesting to see how they're using some of these guys and a lot of them will tweet out this is not a work this is not part of mm-hmm. it's just like how do you know that um but i think that is going to arise some anger and frustration with the rest of the locker room of like why wasn't i included how come you didn't tell me you didn't trust me like there's going to be some hurt feelings let alone there's going to be probably some hurt feelings if you're an adam cole if you're a keith lee if you're a swerve if you're a kyle o'reilly going like hey what the fuck (laughs) like you're shitting at me uh what the hell was that about yeah and you just about the dirt sheet guys i feel like from what i've seen them on twitter during these last week week and a half or so there's some bitterness amongst them that they did think that they had a certain level of like clearance almost. Absolutely. Meltzer saying pillman that is a complete (laughs) he was not he got his feelings hurt yep not I thought project, that was really. But, I thought that was really, really interesting to see him and I think Sean Ross Sapp. There was mm-hmm. some stuff that he said that it was. He could tell that he had some egg on his face and he was embarrassed mm-hmm. by it. And it's just interesting to see these guys. Like, well, of course, if it's is a work, they didn't want it getting to you because you've been reporting on it, and they don't want yeah. it ruining it. Because part of the impact of that promo this past week was the fact that we all up until that point thought that everything was potentially real. Fucking marks. It's all all we are. And all they are. We belong behind the guardrail. Yep. Yep. Uh, But boy, oh boy, if he's, if some of that was shooting and he just let him go air your grievances, it's going to be great television. Whoo. He got played and (laughs) oh my God. And the thing I didn't understand about it, and I granted, I love it. It's a great moment, and it makes MJF a unpredictable Andy Kaufman-esque character where you never know what he's going to do, and that's great, and that could be really amazing. The problem with it, though, is why are you making Tony Khan the heel and AEW the heel? Yeah. I, I just don't, like, yeah, why are done. you making... And also re- referencing the fact that, like, it's all friends wrestling, and they <laughs> drop each other on their head and the Dan Lambert kind of shtick. Like... I don't know why you want to go that route. There's legitimate reasons why WWE is the bad guy with a lot of the stuff they do. They've done a lot of horrible things and made bad decisions and done distasteful things that would make someone 
view them as the heel, let alone the figurehead characters that are bad guys, but just some of their business practices makes them uh, unsavory at times. So why would you invoke that? And why would you want to have the fans think of you as a shit? And then two, like, I don't want to see fucking Tony act. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to see any more. I don't want Tony to become a character. I need him. No, to have, let's, let's let Samoa Joe be, be your, you know, like how he used to work alongside Regal and NXT or something sure. like that, your enforcer. And he does all of that or something. Um, I do want to just point out that it's ridiculous. I read something. I don't know who reported it. Just all the different people who have come in since AEW start and are making more than MJF. How is Mark Henry, whose job is literally just to say it's time for the main event <laughs> on Rampage? Yeah. Yeah. How is that? How is he making more? How is Big Show making more? That is a legitimate gripe. And I know that there's no way that MJF really could have like called out specifically those dinosaurs, but he really should have because I, I can get other I can get other people come Malachi Black, Andrade, some of those guys coming in and making more. But man, some of these old timers that really aren't doing anything. I'll even I'll give Christian the credit. He, I think he's added a lot to the Jurassic Express. I think that him when he eventually turns on them. It'll give Jungle Boy an actual story because yeah. he hasn't really had anything solo, and which is why I think part of the reason I don't connect with most of Jungle Boy's singles matches. So I'm excited to see how that goes. But those other ones, I just it doesn't make sense to me. Let's go back though, assuming that he hasn't gotten paid, because that could also be part of a work yeah. too. Yeah, totally. Like he, uh, holy shit! When Mark Henry came in and he didn't get a pay bump, woo. <laughs> oh my god i would be mad too and i would be very mad if it was legitimate because we've all had this in our work careers you got to prove yourself i can't yep. do it until the next quarter i can't do it into the next year i can't do it into the next whatever um as a manager hell i've had to say those awful things because the assholes on top of me weren't letting me pay people below <laughs> me so like i couldn't do it you know and i've i've been in those situations but like man, I can understand his anger if that is the case. But part of me thinks, you know, this is just my suspicion that he's been paid and everything's cool. I, if I know Tony, when he signed Christian, Christian legitimately was not signed until he came out and signed that contract at, what was that? At revolution. I think he came out at, Sure. When they made the announcement and blah, blah, blah. Like there was legitimate. Christian said on a podcast, he's like, I was shocked when he semi announced it the week before because we had we had just kind of come to a verbal agreement at the time. So Tony has shown that he has trust in people, but the amount of trust that he would have had in MJF if he didn't already give him his money, if they weren't actually on good terms to go out there and do a little bit of a work shoot promo in front of the Time Warner and Discovery executives, like that's. That's a set of balls that I'll never know. I, and uh, and I'll end with this before we go on to other things. Uh, if they really were the audience, what the hell do you think of this? Like, what's your impression? Yeah, I, I that's got to be a mystifying thing for them. To be, first of all, they're like, what the fuck is this shit? I'm sure watching wrestling. <laughs> like, what yeah. the hell's going on? But then on top of that, just this vulgar um uh, promo and then all the swearing and all the venom directed at Tony. It's like, oh shit, who am I in business with? It may have been yeah. weird for them. It may have been super uncomfortable. And it totally. uh, 
you have to be very sure that they do want wrestling on the channel when this merger goes through and everything's official and they decide what they want their vision to be. You have to be so confident that they really truly want this because that could have been something that really could ruin it, which makes the promo genius. Like for it to start off like that really did make it highbrow, high art. And it was uh, one of the best things we've seen all year. And again, MJF has had a fantastic year of promos. He's had two already this year that were all time great. And this was the creme to the creme. So uh, speaking of greatness, let's go into match of the week. Alex. Whew, it took us a while to get there, but uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, I think that the, it's exciting that there's so much to talk about. I mean, some of it's negative, right? With the injuries, but it's a wild time to be a wrestling fan, even crazier time to have the number one uh, pro wrestling podcast based out of Detroit. And, you know, that's where we are at yeah. right now. So uh, <laughs> my match of the week was the Young Bucks versus uh, Lucha Brothers, a matchup we've seen many times. It started with, you know, that typical, you know, you think about like the Will Ospreay versus Ricochet match where they're just doing the superhero stuff and countering everything. But I didn't hate it in this because commentary was really hitting hard how this these guys have faced off eight times now. And majority of the times it's been for title matches. So they truly do really know each other. So it wasn't just doing superhero stuff to do superhero stuff. It was them legitimately knowing each other's moveset and then acting on it and, and, you know, encountering it. My only problem with that is I feel like there's been multiple matches now where the Bucks have ripped off Penta's mask as, as a way to win. And they once again did that. Uh, at the end of this match, for, you know, to help with with getting securing the win, and so I need to see the next time they face off. Like Penta needs to be wearing, he needs to pull a sting and have a Penta mask under his Penta mask or something like that. No. There needs to be something being done to combat that. I think at this point, especially when they were telling the story that these two teams know each other so well that they can, you know, anticipate each other's each and every move. With that said, anytime the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers are in a match together. It's it's great. It's high. It's fast paced. Great action. Uh, Ray Ray Phoenix hit a uh, tope to the outside to the side outside, uh, like the railing area. That I thought he was going to kick the first two members of the <laughs> or the first two rows of people in the face. Uh, high octane match. Um, enjoyed it a lot. I I could have actually seen it go a little bit longer, but good to see the Bucks get the win in their hometown. And already looking forward to the next time that they that they face off. And you kind of knew that the Bucks were going to win A because of hometown, but B because the last time they faced off, the, the Lucha Brothers got the win in the cage. So, Sean, what were your thoughts? Yeah, my match of the week, too. It was a spot fest of spot fests. It was great. Uh, young Bucks can clearly just do no wrong. And they still get cheered when they, they rip off Penta's mask in their hometown. Just ridiculous. But no matter any time, how many times they do it, I still almost just get like a little shudder when I'm like, oh shit, they just ripped off his mask. Like it's just, it always just does something to me. But mm-hmm. um, you mentioned too, the um, they've wrestled, like this was their ninth match now. I still want to see this happen like five more times. They could wrestle so yeah. many times the way they do it. Just, they do it so well. Um, Penta and uh, Phoenix set up for like a doomsday device superplex and got yep. caught into that poison run. It's just so beautiful. The, the Canadian destroyer off the pin, which I don't get yeah. why it doesn't offset the pin, but beautiful, beautiful visual. Just they're so good. I, I can't even believe it's only been nine times now. I wonder like throughout all the promotions, like 
when when was where and how many has been what, but just lovely, lovely. Wouldn't put it up quite at level of the um, was that all out cage match the with the yeah, yeah no that still great. Um, even in the commentary too, Adam Cole just kind of blended in so flawlessly to that commentary table that I just picked up halfway through. I'm like, oh shit, Adam Cole's here. Worked out very well. I thought it was the ROH guy. Uh, Ring, so yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was like, oh, he's acting. He's not screaming, and he's not saying he's a wizard. And granted, there's a place for that. I'm not totally just shitting on Jericho, but he's not being a character. Uh, Piper used to always just talk all over everything and dismantle it. Um, and Cole really did a good job of uh, setting the table for the match. Yeah, I thought it was great too. I gave it uh, four and three four stars, and not quite five. Rick Knox, psychology and tag teams. Uh, come on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, like you mentioned, it wasn't as great as the all out match. And I think the FTR match with the box was the better tag team match this year, but Jesus Christ, this was fantastic. This was good shit. It was so entertaining and they did everything they could to give their hometown a great show. Um, something we didn't put in the notes, but I do want to talk about it too. Just thinking of this before we go to Moxley and Garcia, which I also want to talk about. The crowd in this, in both nights in California, were gigantic, and yeah. I'm not the only one who noticed this. But like, like they didn't show how big it was. Like that, those were huge crowds in the forum, and then Ontario, those were bigger uh, audiences that they've been in front of. Forum sold out. They never had like a, a big establishing wide shot. There's one thing that WWE does that's really great. Granted, they have so many fucking cuts where it hurts their production <laughs> and where it actually becomes a shitty production. Takes away. But yeah. they do great job with camera angles and cranes when they just relax and hold on it. It really does show the atmosphere well. And they had a lot of opportunities for that uh, this past week, but they didn't really show it, which I thought was a little silly because I want to go to a big event. I want to go to a big show, and that should entice you to want to go to a big event when you see everyone there having the fucking time of their life like both of these crowds had. Totally. Uh, honorable mention goes to Moxley versus Garcia. That was also a wonderful match that I thought was going to be the match of the week. Moxley, of course, was bleeding because, you know, that's how he is. Uh, <laughs> but, God, they put on a good match, and I didn't think it was going to be that good because they've – not that they've run this in the ground, but they've already wrestled. And uh, I think this story, this storyline is getting a little bit long in the tooth and just wasn't feeling it in the moment, but boy, oh boy, did they shut me up and they kicked it in a high gear and they had one hell of a finish that was hot. Yeah. Yeah. Some gnarly headbutts to get that, uh, that blood God. dripping off uh, Moxley and just, it starts coming down and down after they went to a 90 second picture in picture. And it's just like, Holy shit. What the hell actually like more happened throughout the thing. And he's just, such a bleeder and just such a great visual. Did you guys catch Eddie Kingston just like tripping halfway down the, the ramp and still yeah. making it and just um, uh, almost had a, uh, uh, almost Titus. had a Titus O'Neil. Yeah. Man, it could have been bad, but oh, kept it together. Got it. Got me real excited for uh, some blood and guts. Come Talk about that later. Kingston has a new shirt though, with the iconic image of him all bloody and stuff from, Double or nothing um, that's yeah, yeah. on sale. That looks pretty cool. If I was willing to shop at Pro Wrestling Tees, I may get it. But hey, <laughs> don't need my shit. Cybersecurity. Exactly. Okay, cool. So let's go into what we thought was our cringe of the week. Yeah, mine, we already talked about it a little bit. And it wasn't yeah. cringe in the sense of, ooh, this is bad. It was simply looking at Cody Rhodes' body. Uh, yeah. That was brutal. I 
I commend him. I, I can't really say anything. I don't know enough about uh, torn pecs to know if that was some crazy. I, I mean, I know it was painful, but I don't know if he, there was a crazy risk of further injury, all of those things. Everything I saw was that they he wasn't doing any lifting in the match or anything like that. So um, I'll just say that it was a gutsy performance that he put on. Absolutely disgusting looking yeah. injury. Uh, bang, in terms of like bang for your buck, in terms of an injury looking bad to other people, like, cause you think about when, when I watch football and they're like, oh, this guy's out for six weeks because of turf toe. That sounds like a dumb injury. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the type of thing that you want to see when you hear that somebody's going to be injured for a while is that look. So that was simply all I had. Beautiful, beautiful point. Beautiful point. Um, my cringe. It's the current state of affairs of Bullet Club. There's just too many members of it who are just completely garbage, nonsense. And I'll and I'll let you know who they are. You got Chase Owens. Name names. Chase Owens. What the fuck are you? Bad luck Fale. Too old. Can't move. Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows. I'm I'm okay with them. I, I still find some some love for them. Dick Togo. Gone. Evil. Oh, really? Got, wait, wait. Dick Togo has got to go. He oh, has got to go. There That's you go. Beautiful. Beautiful. Nice. That's why that's why you're getting paid here. Evil. Garbage. Show. That whole house of torture. Don't need it. Like show so much better before. Tokyo Pimp always needs to be there. Gato, kind of more of a manager. Juice Robinson, why did why the hell did you need to bring him in? Oh, that's there's, right. There's still like one um is it Fatu? Not Fatu. Uh who's Tamatanga's uncle or Haku. Haku. Still yep. one of his descendants in Hikaleu there. Uh, some dude from Impact, Chris Bay. Uh, then you finally get into like some good people: Al Fantasmo, Bone Soldier, Kenta, and Jay White. But you have like fourteen people there who suck dick. They have no reason to be in <laughs> what Bullet Club should be. And then on the final night of the Best of the Super Juniors, Ace Austin kind of seemingly just joins, just interferes in the match, uh. and has a bunch of cards that say Bullet Club. Just fucking garbage. I, I need someone like AJ Styles or Finn Balor to come back and kind of take control of his uh, former stable. One thing I've always loved about new Japan is their use of factions, but they are awful about ending factions Good Lord. and just starting to add people. And then the whole spinoff of a faction creating different things that are still tied in. They need to, they need to get that under control. Similar with AEW. They've really dropped the ball on the pinnacle uh, they also dropped the ball really on the inner circles. Original breakup should have been way earlier than it ended up happening. I love a good faction and I hate when you break things up just to break it up. You know, I believe that WWE puts people together in a tag team simply because then they'll have a feud when they break up. Same thing with a feud and or with a faction in general, but at least they sometimes do the, do that part. Right. And I think that both new Japan and AEW could stand to learn a little bit about ending things before it uh, before it comes too late. Totally, you hit a point of diminishing returns at some point, and some of these factions have just met their, met their point. Simple economics. Okay, so well, cringe. And speaking of ending things, so give me your advice on this one. So I typically don't call myself out for a cringe, but I'm going to have to put myself on here as the cringe of the week because, <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. Uh, <laughs> you know, AEW doesn't often come to Michigan. 
Never have. Never once. No. So it's coming in June, which is great. We're going to go there. We're going to talk about it later on. That's great. But they're going to come now for Rampage and Battle of the Belts in Grand Rapids, which coincidentally enough happens to fall on my fourth year wedding anniversary. That bastard Tony Khan. That's the that's the wrestling show anniversary, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's where you take you take her to a wrest- your favorite mm-hmm. wrestling show. Yeah, and she's not a wrestling fan at all. And so I don't know what I'm going to do to try to convince her to let me go to this and try to finagle a way for us to take a vacation there, and just could- for a couple of hours, I'm just going to mosey on off, and you can hang out with the dog on the in the cabin or something, or I don't know what the hell I'm going to try to do to make this work, but I need a plan. We could totally make this work. There's the Myers garden out there. There's stay at the, the grand hotel or whatever the hell is over there. Oh yeah. Beautiful, beautiful place over there. Just, you can just be like, Oh yeah, let's go to grand Rapids for the weekend. Just a nice little getaway. But I actually got to do a work, some work for a couple hours, two hours. Yeah. 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 Say, say, yeah, you have a work trip. Uh, that or what if we you do have an go, office there. We do have an office. We there you do. go. There you go. Okay. That or you go hiking and you're like, hey, I'll be right back. I got to go use the boys room. <laughs> and then you just go missing. Yeah. But that it hasn't gone well back. in the past, but it could could work for you. I could get away for an hour. My bathroom <laughs> breaks, but <laughs> it just sucks, though. It's like because this show happens on my wedding anniversary. I know she's not listening, so spoiler alert's not going to happen, but my dear mother's turning 60-something, but it's also (laughs) her birthday (laughs) and uh, her surprise like retirement party is going to be held on the same day as Forbidden Door. Uh, My wife's cousin is getting married on All Out, and I can't not go to that wedding because she's really nice to me every time I see her, so I can't not go to that. It's just like every fucking pay-per-view and big show is on some milestone that i have to pretend to like it just sounds like you got a a a bit of fomo brewing god almighty what what if you have sean and i ask amy for you like you know like when when you're like 16 17 you're like my parents are going to go for this like will you ask my parents for me totally oh man i should have you just say say that like i or (laughs) or like maybe like i'll be like oh yeah i bought you a um you know, a ringside ticket, it was $500 or something like that. So then you're like, Amy, this would be rude to not go. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. I, and actually, it's <laughs> kind of like the flimsiest, shittiest one, but that one might work. Like, <laughs> they got me a ticket. It was worth, it was it was a $1,000 ticket. How could I say no? <laughs> I'm just going to fall asleep anyways. Who cares? It's not going to be anything to celebrate. Okay, oh, so. <laughs> funny to celebrate, but. <laughs> Oh, well, okay. So let's go into what we're anticipating and then we'll kind of go back and hit on some other things that have uh, come up this week because there's a lot of other stuff that we do want to get into as well. So let's look ahead for a little bit, boys. What are you anticipating? Well, uh, we've all been talking about how awful Chris Jericho's bald spot was looking during the uh, (laughs) pay-per-view about two weeks ago. And uh, now he's in a hair versus hair match. So I am looking forward to seeing that match happen. I hope that he actually ends up losing his hair there. I think he will. It makes sense. Yeah. You know, and it's just like a heel thing to do is lose your hair and that and then have then going into blood and guts. Bald Jericho is going to look wild. Ooh. And I, I'm excited to uh, to witness it. And even if Ortiz is the one that loses, it'll just be if I I'm a sucker for a hair versus hair gimmick match as long as it's 
something that's not like our former president being in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you missed I was, out. I was thinking about it today too. I'm like, oh, of course they're just going to let Jericho go back to his old short hair kind of buzz cut. I'm like, but then I'm like, no, of course they have to go straight bald. And I do not want to see that naked mole rat looking thing. Hopefully he starts just wearing like <laughs> a permanent Kangol hat with Daniel Garcia. But uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Dominion this weekend. I think there's just some kind of fun matches to come. I'm kind of disappointed that there's not a uh, uh, Takahashi versus Ishimori match to kind of finish off the best of the Super Juniors. But uh, you got, hopefully you're getting the never open weight six-man titles off the stupid House of Torture faction. Uh Great Okan and Jeff Cobb hopefully will get their championships back. You got the Tanahashi and Goto match. And then cap off the night with a uh, Okada and Jay White match. It's going to be yeah. pretty, pretty damn good. It's a nice way to spend a Saturday or Sunday. So check it out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. And I think Okada and Jay White's going to be really good because those two haven't touched for a long time. Was the last time they wrestled, was it at G1 or is that the Wrestle Kingdom? That was a little uh, bit shorter. No, I think it was a G. No, it was a, yeah, it was after that. They have, because they did have that short Wrestle Kingdom match. It was only like 15 minutes. And I think they wrestled again later on. Nevertheless, those two haven't had a big major moment though for a while. And uh, they've had really a low key underrated rivalry. I mean, they've had some big moments at MSG and um, yeah. they've done some good matches. And those two who do have a great chemistry. So I'm looking forward it to that kind too. Kind of set the tone for what we'll go into Forbidden Door with on there. Yeah. End, so. Because I would assume that. Then... Some... Oh, go on. I'm sorry, too. The, uh, while watching the best of the Super Juniors, I think, too, we're going to maybe get like a Wheeler Yuta possibly putting up his belt against Robbie Eagles. A lot of, lot of chatter between the two. Kick the, he'll easily kick the shit out of that dude. It's just, yeah. Too, where's too many bandanas. But yeah, just totally forgot about that. But yes, please. Yeah, so it'll be nice to gear that up for. Uh whatever's happening for forbidden door. Cause they do have to like sell that. And we have to know what the hell is going on. And uh, the performers themselves have to be sold to the American audience, even though most people probably do know them, but nevertheless. Okay. So I'm looking forward to blood and guts. It's going to be in Detroit. It was announced this week that it's going to be in our show that we're attending Ooh. as wrestling elitist. We have kick-ass seats that I believe was Alex or Sean, which yep, you got some. Those are amazing seats. We have great views. We'll have awesome pictures up on the website and on our Instagram which you can check at at wrestling podcast on Instagram. Uh, I am the social media manager and boy, oh boy, do I knock it out of the ballpark when I'm posting. <laughs> Just kills it every <laughs> as time. As you've seen lately. Yeah. As you've seen lately. As you've seen lately. And uh, sometimes <laughs> they're actually black because I don't actually post things on accident. But hey, I'm still learning. I'm still a mogul. I'm still just a youngin. You're, you're going to become a millennial. So you're grinding. Right? Yeah, I'm grinding. I'm hustling. Get no, no cap, no cap. No, but uh, I am looking forward to that match. It's going to be fantastic to just have the double ring alone. That'll be cool as fuck. And then yeah. having the cage, oh my God, it's going to be great. I'm going to pregame top. by watching all these old school war games matches and watching shit from the 80s. That's going to be a fun. There's going to be so much good shit there. Danielson, Moxley, Eddie Kingston in a cage. It's going to be all good. I cannot fucking wait for that match. What kind of scummy bar do we find uh, Mox and Kingston in after actually shit Moxley isn't yeah Mox is on the level oh my goodness yeah, yeah. too soon Damn, yeah too I'm sorry soon. I'd like to uh, uh, he's not gonna be at, yeah he's not gonna be at bazookies with you Sean 
Well, regard- <laughs> I know I know one wrestler named Hook who will be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my 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 first thought is remember the spot that we went to uh, before the the, sh- the show where Shane O'Mac came back. Tommy's Tommy's bar. Yeah, that feels that feels like a place that you would find. Kingston find a couple of, yeah, you'd yeah. find a couple of guys there. Kobo uh, Joe's deleting a couple of beers before the show. It's going to be a great show. Okay. So we, we wanted to hit some things that we didn't get a chance to put into the normal format of the show. So a lot of stuff happened this week is one of the craziest weeks in wrestling history. Uh, great return happened on dynamite Miro returning, going over Johnny elite. Yeah. Yes. The redeemer is back. And I am so excited to see him. He mentioned specifically that he's here to he's here to redeem the men of AEW. I believe he cited uh, Brian Danielson, um, I think Adam Cole potentially, and some others. So I am ready to punk. You know, he is ready to come back, be on a tear. Um, I genuinely can't wait. I really hope that one of Wardlow's first tests ends up being Miro because I think those two, from a size perspective, match up very well. And I'm, we haven't seen, we actually didn't see Miro at all during Hangman's title run. His mm-hmm. last match was at full gear. So I'm so excited to have him back. He was my favorite character of the summer last year. I loved the whole Redeemer thing. Uh, hope it, hope it continues and absolutely just so ecstatic to see him back. I wasn't even thinking when, they announced that Johnny Elite was going to have an open contract to anybody in AEW. I didn't know who I thought it was going to be, but Miro didn't even cross my mind. So that was such a perfect surprise. I love that if Johnny has signed with AEW, his job is basically just to get beaten up by the big boys. Uh, hope, hopefully he's not here long term and it's just kind of he's there. He's a, he's a good person to have get kind of squashed, but also look good rather than it just being a quick you know two second match. Um, but yeah, welcome back Miro. Um, you know, I hope, I hope, uh, I hope God is ready for you. He had so many great programs before he got injured like with Eddie Kingston and all that. Just everything to come back. Would be so great. Um, can't wait for these kind of weekly promos that he'll be dishing out again. Once again. Yeah. It really shows how great his TNT title run was and how much that belt could mean and have weight if it was just on the right waist. Uh, not that Scorpio Sky is doing a bad job. I think like he's doing the best he can with the material he's been given, but he wasn't do- he wasn't given any favors by the whole Sammy and Cody and just too much hot potato and bad storylines that went on way too long. So uh, love to see him in the mix again. I think like he's mentioned, Hangman would be a great feud with him. Love to see him go up against God. There's so many people he could wrestle like him versus Malachi Black. House of Black could be great. Like, I know they're both heels. They may not cross paths, but that could be something that's awesome down the line. Uh, And he looks great, too. He's in great shape, and uh, he just has such a unique look to him. So really looking forward to seeing Miro uh, back on pay-per-view and back and having a marquee spot. Okay, other piece of news that came out this week that was very interesting. So it was reported by Fightful that Stephanie McMahon was underperforming in her role in ad sales and brand... uh, brand partnerships uh fightful quoted that they wanted 100 million generated in brand partnerships but only had 20 million and that may have been one of the reasons why she's on extended sabbatical i don't know what to think about this um i mean on one hand 
could be true that that's the case and you can't hold family members to that standard uh, and just, or, or, or I'm sorry, you can't hold family members not accountable. And if you're a publicly traded company, they need to be held accountable. And if you're in that role and you're not generating what's expected of you, that's only natural that this is going to happen. I hope this wasn't happening during the time that Hunter was all fucked up and she's dealing with issues at home because that sucks to get out to get maybe kicked out and lose your position power within the company because of a tragedy going on in your family life. So hopefully that's not the case, but it just is interesting to think that, uh, that, uh, conspiracy theory of Nick Khan taking over may have some <laughs> legs to it. <laughs> like who knows one by one. Yeah. He, he mentioned, uh, when he was on the, uh, Pat McAfee show 2.0, whatever, um, that even, even if it is family, like you, you got to make your, your day's end and just do your job. And if you don't do it, you're susceptible to getting cut. So by the way he puts it and the way we've kind of known Vince McMahon to be, I, I don't put it past him to, to kind of do that. And if it, if it did truly happen when you're kind of saying of like during the triple H health issues, well, boy, that would be real shitty to, to happen when like you're dealing with that and then you get fired by your dad. Um, can I get an Alex was right chant or anything like that going? Um, no, I just, I, I felt like there had to be something negative here and, and it's, if this is it, it does seem like weird to time it with what she had going on in her personal life from, from that perspective. I know from a business perspective, you can't be that way, but maybe they, maybe she should have been delegating more or something like that. But, um, I think that it's, it's odd and, and I agree that you need to hold the family to the same standard. I grew up having, you know, my dad was my coach in baseball. And if anything, I felt like I was held to a higher standard because he was so, he didn't want it to look like, you know, he was favoring me. Like I, I had to do, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I totally get that. But what's, what's weird to me is like, if they're holding him to the standard and this is me purely projecting because. I work in HR. I've worked for companies that were family owned and I could see the payroll stuff. You know, sometimes somebody goes away because they're not performing, but magically they still keep getting paid. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, so that's, that's where it's like, well, I mean, if she was, did she just, is, is she gone in title only or in, in name only and still getting paid? I mean, it doesn't really matter. I'm not a shareholder, but um, that's just the one thought that I have is I, 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 even if this is true and they are letting her go for that reason, I don't think she's actually being let go. I think just somebody else is taking it over and yeah, she'll find another spot and position within the organization, but it, it's more of a, more of a shot against Vince though, that you have someone who's not qualified to be in that position in the first place. Like why did that go on as long as it did? You wouldn't put a chief technology officer and a chief financial officer role. It just doesn't make any sense. And as the company gets bigger and bigger and as they continue to grow and take on more, I don't know, just revenue generation and so forth. And as they get to be a bigger and bigger and bigger company, you can't do that anymore. But boy, oh boy, is it funny when, and this isn't Stephanie, I don't know her from Adam, but like you said, Alex, boy, is it funny when you, when the owner's kid who doesn't do anything right <laughs> has to go on timeout <laughs> <laughs> and they mis mysteriously get swept away and then they come back a couple of months later doing God knows what, but boy, but oh somehow, boy. But somehow their Christmas bonus is still bigger yeah. than everyone else's. <laughs> yeah. They have a 25% bonus when all of us get 12. Not that I'm, you know, 
uh, specifically calling any one organization out here. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. Okay, well, we got a lot of things off our chest this episode. It's been a hell of a good time and a roaring good chat. I liked uh, switching up the format today, boys. It was a hell of a lot of fun. Yep, it was. uh, I thought that this this flowed well, considering how much we had to talk about and didn't know how to fit it all in. Toe tapping good time. So thanks for listening today. If you'd like to continue to support the podcast, please give us a five star review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. And if you like the show, please share it with someone for the love of God. Help us expand our huge platform to become even bigger. Uh, follow us at Wrestling Elitist Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, check out our website at WrestlingElitist.com to get our latest match ratings and articles. We've got a lot of things coming up in the upcoming weeks. This is going to be a fantastic month of wrestling. It's just in June alone. There's a lot of great shit happening, and we're going to be there for it. We are on the road to Blood and Guts in downtown Detroit and couldn't be happier for it. Rick Rude, take us home. Hit the music.